Welcome to Safer Journeys, a podcast dedicated to raising children, ending violence, and ending oppression. We are your hosts. I'm Melissa. I am the Community Engagement Director with Safe Journeys, a domestic and sexual violence agency serving LaSalle and Livingston counties in Illinois. And I'm Heather. I am community engagement specialist, preventionist, community educator, whatever you want to call me is fine, <laughs> at the same organization that Melissa works at. And today we are doing part one of a two-part series on child sexual abuse and grooming. Um, we're going to talk today about the different stages, the six stages of grooming, and we're going to talk about some warning signs um, that you might observe if a child is experiencing um, grooming. That's right. And so we're going to start with defining grooming. So we have a, a ground that we can build upon mm -hmm. here. Wait, wait, we got to say why though. Because when we started marketing <laughs> this podcast and other things, we were talking about doing different stuff with grooming. Yes. People thought we were talking about like doing your kids hair. <laughs> Do you remember when we were at, oh no, that was with Emily, but we were at like an after school event and I'm like, yeah, we're going to be doing this grooming thing, blah, blah, blah. And people are like, you're going to teach me how to put her hair up. And I was like, oh gosh, nope, that's now I need to make sure I talk about the definition when I do these kinds of presentations. And I, I know we have like said this before, but you know, I did what I did want to like address it directly. Like sometimes you'll hear us like giggle or oh, something yeah. about like really serious things. And um, laughing is like a coping mechanism, but also like we have to find mm -hmm. uh, humor and joy in our work. Otherwise we'll be crying and mad all the mm -hmm. time yes. um, because this, these are horrible topics we talk about. Like yeah. people don't want to talk about this. And actually like there's a huge culture of silence around these topics. And mm -hmm. so when we do talk about them, and let's say what happened at that event where yeah. they're like, oh, you're going to teach us how to do our kids hair. We're like, oh, no. I know. I'm like, we've got work to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. So quick trigger warning. Um, we will be talking mainly about um, sexual abuse today with the grooming. Um, and there may be other types of abuse that come up during the discussion today. So make sure you take care of yourself. Don't listen if you don't feel like you're ready for it. That's totally fine. We'll never know. <laughs> That's right. So the definition of grooming that we work with is when someone builds a relationship, trust, and emotional connection with a child or a young person so that they can manipulate, exploit, and abuse them. And so this may include building a relationship of trust with the caregivers as well because, friends, this is somebody that your child knows. Yeah. Okay, you can't build a relationship if the person's a stranger. Now, they might start out as a stranger. However, this is somebody who has intentionally, with time and effort, um, purposefully built a relationship in order to eventually exploit mm -hmm. and abuse that, yeah. the child. Yeah, I when I teach this to people who are more unfamiliar with the topic, I usually say it's somebody training a child and or their caregivers um, to accept sexual abuse. So it's kind of like long, it's brainwashing. Yes. Really. <clears throat> um, so 
again, I'm so glad you mentioned the laughing thing because here I am giggling already. Oh, yeah. I'm like, let's talk about predators. <laughs> yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny at we all. True, we, we very much don't think it's funny. So I'm glad that you you, met, you mentioned that it's a weird coping, not even weird. It's a coping mechanism. It is. It is. Because we certainly like, I mean, it's important to us that we have these conversations, mm-hmm. but it's not our favorite topic. No, I mean, it never is going to no. be. No, and this is like really hard to talk about and it's hard to even imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to imagine it happening to people. No, and so I get, I do these like Google alerts. Yeah. Um, and with like a handful of different terms and like child exploitation is one of them. It's like pages every single day of Google alerts just for child sexual exploitation. It is awful. Some days I can't look. Sometimes I just delete it. I'm like, today's not the day I'm going to look at those headlines. Right. It's horrifying. It's it's too consistent. <sighs> I know. And now when I hear, oh, administrator's been put on leave or this teacher has been terminated, I'm like, what happened? Yep. Was it sexual misconduct with a student? And like, there's a zillion reasons that they could be, sure. you know, but in my mind... It's immediately where I go. Yeah. Which is not probably very healthy for me. (laughs) Well, and I think that's another uh, skill that we have built up of like suspicion Mm. when you work in this field. um, You tend to really think about that all the time where it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, why don't why don't you want um, your kid to know this particular thing? Like what? Like, what are you hiding from them? <laughs> right. How is this going to impact you? Like, yeah. this is only supposed to protect your child. Yeah. What are you doing? Why don't you want to empower your yeah. kid? No, <laughs> Which, I agree. And I know that's not. It's not where they're going with no, it. No, no. But that's where our minds tend yeah, to go. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the people who do this today. We're going to call them predators. Yeah. I mean, they are predators, but like that's just the lingo. We're going to refer to the person who is grooming and abusing the child as a predator. So like Melissa said, unfortunately, predators are usually someone that is already in the child's world, yeah. um, possibly in the parent and caregiver's world as well. Um, it's really unlikely that they're going to be a stranger. It's possible they first meet, right? Like, maybe on the internet or something, mm-hmm. but they develop a relationship, even if it's an unhealthy one, yeah. it's still a relationship. So this is not a stranger. The stranger no. danger of the 80s, like that was a real disservice, I think, to that generation. Yes. And specifically for child sexual abuse. Yeah. And I was in the classroom last week talking with seventh graders about grooming and we were talking about the definition itself and like how it has to do with the process of building a relationship of trust. And I said, what does it take to build trust with you? Yeah, good question. And they were answering like, oh, this person gives me attention. This person listens to me. Mm-hmm. This person supports me. Yeah. This person likes me for who I am. And I said, I want you to remember that. Oh, you really set them up, Melissa. Oh. <laughs> and we watched a video where they could start really picking out the red flags yeah. of grooming and all that. But I was like, yeah, they know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they I- know what it takes to build trust with you. And they will use that to their advantage. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which you're going to see here. Because, you know, these 
child sexual predators, they appear to be helpful. Like mm-hmm. how else would they stay in your life, right? Right. Like, yeah. They're helpful. They're reliable. They're trustworthy and charming. They're pillars generally, of the community. Oh right? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, upstanding citizens. So they they really know what they're doing. Oh, like they're yeah. experts in this field. <laughs> and usually, this is not their first victim. Oh, that's the like. I know, I know it's true, but it's yeah. so gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not their first victim. And a lot of times the predators are grooming multiple victims at the same time. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting when I was asking the young people to define predator and the words I was getting in return. Mm. Creepy. Yep. Disgusting. Yep. <laughs> I was like, Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Keep going. No. What are all the grossest, nastiest words you can think of? That's what a predator is. Okay. And in the video, and yes. it's like we will give you like a link for it in mm-hmm. the show notes, but it's called Sexual Abuse in the Family and it's shown actually on file fightchildabuse.org. Mm-hmm. It's our media we love this week. It is. It's yeah. oh, and it's so good. So um, the kids were really like, well, and of course his name is Uncle Steve in the video. <laughs> that was like, whoa. <laughs> They're like, can't we call him something else? I'm like, uh, they said Uncle Donnie. I was like, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, if that makes you feel better, but honestly, we're talking about really like, this is, this feels gross, doesn't it? And like, they're making faces. I'm like, I'm glad you're making those faces. Mm-hmm. And I want you to remember how it feels when you recognize the red flags, because I, w- I want you to pay attention to your feelings and say, like, that doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. That's gross. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. And I love at the end, I don't like doing the media. We love it's part, okay. But I love at the end of that video when she says, like, pay attention to how you feel. Yeah. Like, when was this not okay anymore? It was the moment I felt uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you, you guys, you know yourselves best. And I think as a whole, we have done a bit of a disservice to kids by saying, you know, I know best. Yeah. Oh, that you don't feel good about this. That doesn't matter. We're going to do it anyways. Right. Yeah. Like that gut instinct or intuition, we almost train people to not pay attention to. Yeah. But it's our like nervous system saying, ah, oh, something's wrong. Get the heck out of there. Yeah, absolutely. And we need to listen to it. Even when we don't know why it's saying that, like right. get out, remove yourself from what's happening. Yeah. Now, this is a story I'm going to tell really quick that doesn't have to do with child sexual abuse, okay. but it more has to do with listening to my kid. Mm. Because at first I thought I was teaching a lesson, right? Like mm-hmm. this is, I thought it was a lesson on perseverance. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like my kid was in dance class. She kept getting anxious. Now I'm, I'm looking back on this, telling the story. So I didn't know these things, right? Mm-hmm. She'd get anxious every Sunday night because Monday night was dance class and she didn't want to go. But I was like, you know what? We need to see this through. Like you need to do the whole year. See whatever side feels like it's so much fun I love dance you know (laughs) and it looks like you're having a good time out there and then eventually she was able to articulate how she was feeling 
and why. And that day is when we pulled her from dance mm. class because when she, when her eyes welled up with tears and Aww. she told us that no one in the class talks to her, um, I was like, okay, we're done now. Like this yeah. is not a lesson on perseverance. No, <laughs> this I, is a lesson to me on listening to my kid the first time. Yeah. Like, but <laughs> I mean, where's the line? No, you also sure. want to teach like, hey, like, we got to see some things through. Like you can finish do what hard you start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I know you can do it. I know. And then, but once it did hit that point of like, she was able to articulate what was going on. It was like immediately, I'm like, oh, we're done now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm glad that she had the tools, right? To actually put into words how she was feeling. Yeah. And that as soon as you got, you figured it out, right? You were like, oh, yeah, we're not going to make you do that. Yeah. But it's, but it's just like that, right? Yeah. Like we, we train our kids to be like, no, you need to listen to me. You're going, mm-hmm. you're going to dance class today or you need to finish your food. Right. When, when maybe they feel extremely full and they're trying to listen to their body. Oh and my we're gosh, like, I did that to my nephew once. Yeah. And then he threw up. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like 20. He's like, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. I'm like, you got to finish your chicken nuggets. <laughs> And then, like, 20 minutes later, he threw up his chicken nuggets. I was like, oh, he wasn't feeling good. Cool. Cool. Good job, Heather. Nice (laughs) job. He taught you a lesson. Yep. Yep. (laughs) You got to love it when the kids teach you I know. I mean, it it is something now I remember, right? Like, I mean, nobody is forced to eat, in my opinion, now, or in my vicinity. Yeah. Okay. So, we started talking about who these predators are. Um. What do predators, like, what kind of jobs do predators have? So they are going to try to have access to the young people, right? Like, yeah. So they're going to, they tend to take positions where they are working with kids. Mm-hmm. And we all know, like, for our job at Safe Journeys, any domestic or sexual violence agency or education type setting, you are getting a background check, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and these people, they do, they get jobs as coaches, Mm -hmm. teachers, babysitters, youth leaders. I I just want to say too, like, because they've probably done this before, mm-hmm. they may or may not have already been brought up on charges or done, or got away with this and um, worked out some kind of deal mm-hmm. with some maybe administration, district, yeah. uh, church, anything like that. And and they may have like come from another state and have background check. Like it's not going to pick it up. It's yeah. I mean that's something just not good to know, right? Like it's a state background check. Yeah. So if you did something in Idaho at a school that was a sexual misconduct and you came to Illinois, yeah. there may very well not be a record of that. And schools don't want to publicly say, which to some degree I get, like they they don't want to make that bad reputation for their school. Like we had a predator. We hired a predator. Nobody wants to advertise that. So they don't say it. I mean, that is bad then for students. Right. And then this guy can move or girl can move on to some other place. Yeah. I mean, with Larry Nasser, right, the Olymp- the USA, the Team USA Olympic doctor who abused repeatedly yep. all of those young women on the team, he had done the same thing at, God, I can't remember, was it? It was a university. And then before that, it was somewhere else. So, like, 
every, he just moved from one place to the other and kept abusing people. And I like that you mentioned earlier the silence part mm-hmm. because when we don't talk about these things, when people don't know that it's happening, that's when the abuse flourishes. That's right. And I, in part two of uh, this series, we are going to be really looking mm-hmm. at actual advice mm-hmm. um, received from child sexual predators who are in prison currently. And yep. that's, what the, that's who the study was done with. So. Yeah, it's really informed a lot of our work. I mean, it's horrifying when I read the statements, mm-hmm. but it is beneficial because when we can go up and be like, no, this is how predators pick their victims. This is how predators gain trust. From their own mouths, we've heard this. Like, yeah, there isn't a better expert, really. Right. Not that I want to call them an expert. Um, of course okay. not. <laughs> right. So, <clears throat> so how might, um, how in the world are young people tricked, you know, by, by this um, manipulative child sexual predator? Because they're not going to be like, I'm manipulative. This is what I'm doing to you. Like, the young people... They, because it's been a process of building trust and mm-hmm. this relationship with them, like, you, as you can imagine, as I'm saying it, like, it could be confusing. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so we'll talk about the stages here in a second. I want to mention first, though, that, like, sometimes the terms that young people will use to refer to the person who is their abuser or their predator don't sound like negative terms, right? That's right. It could be my boyfriend. Yeah. It could be my adult best friend, right? And like they should be things where like, oh, that doesn't fit. Your ages do not line up. That's right. And just quickly we'll mention why the big age gap is a problem is because of the imbalance of power. With a young person, we have essentially trained them to trust adults. You do what adults say. Adults know everything. So then this adult shows up and is like, well, I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. You should do what I say. I'm the one who understands this stuff. I'm your boyfriend or whatever the person's going to call themselves. So just a little thought. That's all. But and then family members, right? Yep. Which, of, of course, like I, I, I wish that it wasn't. And of course. Yeah. But that's that happens quite a bit. It's a family member. It does. And, and, you know, why the of course? It's because of the access that they have. And they've already, they have like this built in process that's been in the making for a while of building trust Mm -hmm. and a relationship with this child. So the access point is just so um, open that (laughs) there's not a second thought, right? Like, oh, I got, I have to, I got called into work. I'm going to drop you off at, your, your cousin's house or whomever's, but like right. you don't even think about it. So let's talk about these stages. There are six. Um, the very first one, well, I'm going to reel that back. I'm not going to say the first one. I want to mention that um, this happens over a long period of time. So as we go through these six stages, this isn't in a week. This can be months. It can be years. And a lot of times it is years. So this is like a long game that the predators are playing. So just keep that in mind as we go through these different stages. You want to? Yep. Yep. First stage um, is the victim selection. So uh, the predator is looking for a child who has a vulnerability to exploit. So this could look like 
um, the child has some kind of insecurity. Maybe they have some self-esteem issues and they're looking for affirmation that mm-hmm. they're, they're beautiful and they're worth something. Uh, they're worth listening to. Maybe they have some kind of financial difficulty. So, you know, gifts are something that the predator is able to provide. Mm-hmm. And then those are used as, you know, like blackmail pretty much yeah. um, to continue um, maintaining control in this relationship. But we'll talk more about that. Yeah. But uh, the need for adult attention, like in the video of the media that we love this week, um, It really talks about this girl who fights with her mom quite a bit. And so having her adult best friend as Uncle Steve, right? Like, so she is able to talk with him and he makes her um, feel heard. Mm -hmm. At one point he says that she's an attractive girl or a pretty girl or something like that. Yeah. So he does help with the self-esteem too. Mm -hmm. So he, they, they like tend to fill a gap, which is another stage coming up. But um, also other, um, vulnerabilities that the predator can exploit are chaotic home life and a disability. And, and those are just examples. Yeah. Yeah. And it is horrifying the statistics of um, people with disabilities who are abused in one way or another. Yeah, I know it. Just the, the preying on the vulnerable is inherent. I mean, is inherently awful in whatever way you're preying on that. Yes. Um, but yeah, disability or queer young people, right? Anybody who's been marginalized or discriminated against or has a stigma for some reason, that's an opportunity to exploit that vulnerability. Yes. Yeah. Um, So stage two, this is the gaining trust stage. So they're going to gain the the kiddos trust and they know these young people. They have paid attention to what they like, what's important to them. So if it was a young kid who freaking loved video games, this person's going to buy or provide them with video games, right? Other kinds of gifts, even if it's not a physical gift, it could just be like you were saying, Melissa, the, you know, giving them something they're lacking emotionally, like saying, hey, you're a smart kid. I think you're doing a good job. If they don't hear that regularly, yeah, that's a huge thing for them. Um, and so the predators will pay very close attention to what a kiddo needs. And this stage is also when they're testing the secret keeping ability. I mean, I guess that's gaining trust. I don't know. It feels like a weird place to throw it, but it's true. This is when they start testing secrets. So, of course, the kid has to keep a secret that they're, they're being is sexually abused, right? And that they have this relationship with an adult that they shouldn't technically have. So they ha- the, the predator has to know the kid can keep a secret. So he might start with something small or she might start with something small like, you know, I actually really hate dogs. Like, and I know that sounds funny, but like most people are like, oh, I love dogs or animals are great. So if that kid then goes home and says, hey, mom, do you know so-and-so hates dogs? And then like that gets back to the predator. He's going to be like, that kid does not keep a secret. And thus this child gets, you know, released if you will right like he's no longer the ideal victim that third stage is fill a need and we've talked a little bit about this but they are going to look to fill a need that's related to the child vulnerability that they're showing so we talked about examples of vulnerabilities and one of those is let's say insecurity Mm -hmm. right 
and young people, if they are sharing their insecurities online, like that is an easy platform to get in and, and start listening to somebody, right? Mm, yeah. And this could be somebody who's a stranger at first, but they're going to work to build a relationship of trust. Yeah. So that might not include the caregivers, right? If this is happening online. Oh. However, your child like could be meeting people they don't already know. Mm -hmm. And having them as friends on some kind of online platform or gaming system or app. And and that person's there for them. Yep. They become like their best friend. And then eventually it uh, grows. Yeah. Yeah. And escalates. And so, um, and, and truly this, what's happening with filling a need is it's elevating the predator status in the child's life because right. they're like, Oh, well, this person listens to me. They support me. They give me compliments. They pay attention to me. This is important. Like, I I now feel a lot more confident in myself, right? Yeah. Like, and, and I yeah, sure, that's huge for, like, a teenager to feel more confident in themselves. Absolutely. But they're being tricked. Yeah. And that's what's really tricky, too, because that's going to, like, when this all falls apart and they're stuck and they're feeling ashamed and in a spiral where they feel like they can't get help, the help they need. Yeah. If they're not reaching out to their trusted adult and being believed, mm -hmm. um, they're it, it's going to make them question everything. Yeah, it w yeah, and like this this elevated status, the abuser wants the the young person or the predator wants the young person to feel that that predator or abuser is the most important person or thing in that young person in that child's life. Because they're willing to do anything to defy their parents, to keep secrets, to do all the things they were told not to do yeah. in order to maintain the relationship with that person. Which kind of leads to the next stage, which is isolation. That's right. Or isolating the child. Um, and in this stage, the predator is going to create situations where they can spend alone time with the young person. Maybe they volunteer to take them camping or they say, hey, they can stay at our house this weekend while your you know, mom and dad are out of town for whatever reason. Um, it could be just babysitting in general, depending on the age of the kid. Oh, yeah, I can pick them up from school and fill that hour time before parents get home, that kind of thing. Um. <clears throat> they also will straight up tell the kids, which I think, like, sure, it makes sense, like, if you're brainwashing someone, but they will straight up say, like, I'm the most important person in your life. Yeah. I'm the only one who fills this need that you have, whatever it might be. Right. I'm the only one who understands you. Yep. I'm the only one who's ever going to love you. Nobody can love you or care for you the way that I care for you. Right. So... The next stage is sexualize or desensitize the child. And this, of course, begins slowly. They don't just start there and they're not going to be like, because that would be an alarm bell, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if you were to start, if a child sexual predator was to start at, you know, t level 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, it would sound alarm bells mm -hmm. in the child and the family. No, they're going to work them up. It'll be like little touches mm -hmm. or little things they say, and then it's going to escalate. Um, maybe more touching of the body parts, maybe different areas. Maybe they start to talk about 
um, attractiveness or sure. uh, straight up sexual activity. Yeah. Um, like, oh, have you ever done this before? You know, like in, in it's a whole process of not only sexualization of the child, but also desensitizing them, making them feel like, OK, this might feel a little uncomfortable, but I mean, it it's normal. Yeah, this per the abuser seems chill about it. Yeah, right. Like, so maybe I should be chill about yeah. it. Yeah, like, why am I making too big of a deal about this? Like, oh, well, this is just normal for us. It's mm-hmm. it's just us being us, right? And and so and that's <laughs> it's really troubling. But so they ways they do this is like showing child sexual content, uh, like pictures and videos of people and their private body parts showing and um, people engaged in sexual activity, um, talking about sex in the body. So they're exploiting the young people's like natural curiosity about sex because it's so natural to be curious about sex. And it's, it's such a topic that's like hushed you know, in our culture. And so it's natural for people to be like, what is that? You know? And then if somebody's willing to tell them and give them information, they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. They eat it up because they're like, okay, I know I've heard of sex. I know that it has something to do with whatever, but like, I don't really understand. And nobody is telling me right so as soon as somebody who seems knowledgeable starts providing that information yeah they're like oh this person trusts me yes this person knows that i'm mature right that's right i'm a grown-up and i can be trusted with that's right like we have a mature relationship together yeah yeah so in another uh way in which they do this is creating situations where the child and abuser have little or no clothes on like let's say swimming mm-hmm. going to a locker room yep. to, to prepare for swimming or something like that um changing at a gym again locker room situation and if you're thinking of like coaches right yeah that's super normal that they might be in your locker room right right yeah so and that's and that's a key for the child sexual predator right Mm -hmm. like they want it to look as natural as possible they don't want these alarm bells going off yet it's not time no because then the the kid would run away correct and like that the predator doesn't get what they're looking for right right so it's all very very slow yes and so we we have taken you through these stages and there there's another one here yeah just the the last one which is, honestly, I don't know if I would, I mean, it is technically a stage, but like it's the maintaining control stage. Right. So they've established control. The abuse has started. They have to keep the kid here because it's a lot of work, right? To mm-hmm. get a kid, to get the kid to the stage where they're able to sexually abuse them. Right. So they have to employ different methods of keeping the child invested in this relationship. And essentially, they make the kid feel that losing the relationship with the predator would be the worst thing in the world. And it would be worse than maybe some of these uncomfortable feelings that they sometimes feel. So enduring the abuse makes sense to them Mm -hmm. because they need to have this person in their world at all costs. And they're going to use any method to do this that they possibly can there's a lot of shame um there's guilting of course manipulation i mean this all of this is manipulation and then continuing to remind and reinforce the kid that only the abuser or predator can meet these needs 
Yes, that's right. So that's a lot to take in, right? These stages of grooming, that's a lot of information, but it's also like horrifying. And, you know, when I talk with kids about it, it's just like, you know, it's easy for us to look in and say, like, well, why wouldn't somebody recognize that that's going on? But again, like they've just, the predator has just made it so normal. Yeah. And they're smart. I I don't even like giving them that label of being smart. Like it feels too kind to a predator. It does. But they're, they are, they're intelligent people. Yes. They see the end, like they're willing and patient to get to where they want to be. Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're an expert, like I said before, they're an expert in their field. Yeah. They know these stages. Mm-hmm. They know how to do this. Oh, yeah. For sure. So there are um, some warning signs that we're going to talk about today. And first of all, there are behavior changes that you can look at. Okay. <clears throat> look out for, right? That's if you're right. in the, child, the child's life, you might notice these things. Yes. Um, and that would be an in, like an indication like, let's do some more digging. Let's ask right. some more questions. Something doesn't seem right. All of these things, any of the things we're going to talk about on their own, are, are not necessarily indicative of the child's being abused. No, no, but all of these things together yes. are more indicative. Yes. So this first piece of it is um, really look at those behaviors that are not normal for the child's developmental stage. Mm-hmm. So the example that we're going to give you for this um, is kind of extreme, but we we plan on talking about the child's sexual development stages in another podcast episode in the future um, that are more normal. Yeah. These are um, regular stages. We are talking about behaviors that are not normal for the child's development stage, like sexualized behaviors outside of the normal sexual development. Yeah. What if, so let's say we're going to, let's pick a four-year-old. Right. What might be some normal four-year-old sexual development things? Oh, goodness. I have one that's, that like is burned into my memory from babysitting. Yes. Um, I, and this happened with multiple little boys. They, when I would like, it's okay, it's bath time. We're getting ready for bed or whatever. They would stand, three different little boys did this. <laughs> they would stand under the running water with their penis and just like hang out there, like with the water, <laughs> like running. And, and like the first yeah. time I saw it, I was I was young myself, so I was alarmed, right? I was like, what? Should I tell him not to do that? As I, you know, I, I went through my adolescent psychology and, you know, all the things I'm like, oh, this is a normal thing that a three or four-year-old little boy would be doing. Absolutely. You know, one of the things we talk about at a preschool parent presentation <laughs> yeah. is like, play. What if, what if you catch your kid playing doctor with another kid? Yes. Again, they're just curious. Yeah. They're curious what about parts like, do you have? Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I know what part I have. What part do you have? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look at that. Um, this is what would not be normal. Yeah. The four-year-old is simulating intercourse with the kid they're playing doctor with yeah. or with a stuffed animal or something like that. Like they, that is not a normal sexual behavior for a four-year-old. No. And, and I know it's weird to say like sexual behavior yes. in the same sentence as a four-year-old, but they have in like, they have a sexual development over the course of their life. They're, yeah. uh, they're a sexual being from the time they're born yep. to the time they die. And I just want to say too, and this is heavy as well, like 
they are susceptible to child sexual abuse starting at birth. And I that statement mm, yeah. gives me the heebie-jeebies and it hurts my heart. Yep. But like, I have to say it. Yeah, because you would think like, no adult is going to sexually assault a one-year-old. Right. It's happened. Right. Otherwise, we wouldn't be saying it Yeah. Here. Yeah. So there isn't an age where they are not susceptible. Right. Um, okay. So we talked about a warning sign being abnormal sexual, de- like sexual expressions and abnormal being in that sexual developmental stage. Like a 15-year-old simulating sex with a friend isn't going to be abnormal right not as alarming yeah right like I mean it's alarming as a parent right but but like this is normal doing quotes right for a teenager but it is not normal for a four-year-old because the only way they would ever have been exposed to that is if someone showed them something or did something to them that way that's right and we know little kids are copycats right yes they're like oh this adult did it I'm very cool I'm gonna do it too (laughs) you know yes Okay, so the next behavior is going to be being more secretive. And like kids keep secrets from everybody. It's like that's it happens. Um, But being more secretive about things like something has changed. You notice maybe your kid used to leave their cell phone on the table all the time when they left the room or whatever. Now they don't do that anymore. Or that it's like constantly in their hand or in their pocket. They're afraid of someone looking at their cell phone when previously they weren't. Right. Or maybe you had a really outgoing kid and you've you've noticed a behavior where they're like just not sharing as much from yeah. school or they're not sharing about their friends. And right. Julie, they probably just don't have those stories anymore because they're well, so Well, that's consumed, part of it, I'm sure, yeah. But also they it, don't know what to share. Right. And like... If you have a 10-year-old who comes home and tells you every minute detail of their day and you're like, oh my gosh, it's been an hour, (laughs) right? And then, you know, two months later, the kid doesn't share anything. You're like trying to get information. Like, tell me what you did today. It's like, why don't you want to talk about this anymore? I used to wish you would stop talking about it. Right. So things that have changed in their behavior particularly regarding being secretive and the phone is one to be to consider how are they are they secretive of their phone of their computer of their social media did they add passwords to things that maybe they didn't have passwords on before are they being secretive of how they spend their time if they are very vague like oh what did you do Uh, i was out Uh, okay (laughs) doing what i do this with my teenager constantly i'm going out Great. Who are you going with? Yeah. <laughs> what is your plan? But anyways. <laughs> well, absolutely. And and the same is true for if they totally stop doing the things that they used to love doing, like yeah. hanging out with their friends. Mm-hmm. They they start quitting the activities that they were a part of. These and of course, these things alone, like that could indicate something else yeah. as well. And and it, it it could. Yeah, but, um, it absolutely all could. of these things together again is what we're talking about yes. like those behavior changes. Yeah, like if you if you have a kid who's like obsessed with soccer, like wants to be on all the teams and then all of a sudden with no real explanation, they're like no, I'm done. 
something has happened. It doesn't mean it's necessarily sexual abuse. Maybe there's bullying on the team or whatever, but something is going on. Mm -hmm. All right. So some other warning signs. New items or gifts. And this is going to be think about things that a young person wouldn't normally be able to get their hands on. So it could be things that are technically illegal for children to have. Perhaps it's cigarettes. Um, It might be alcohol or pornography. Any of the things that they can't walk into a store and purchase on their own. But it it could be things that are expensive. Like, I don't expect a nine-year-old to have enough money to buy a new iPhone. Right. If your nine-year-old shows up with a new iPhone at home, somebody purchased it for them. Yeah. And if it wasn't you... (laughs) You got some investigation to do. Uh, Absolutely. And another uh, warning sign would be the relationship between the child and abuser. So consider some of the following things. The child considers the abuser their adult best friend, which is something we mentioned before, or says that the abuser treats them like an adult. Uh, They have poor boundaries between the child and the abuser. For example, they use the bathroom with the door open. Um, They don't mind maybe taking their clothes off in front of somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, and I, again, compare it to this, this adult individual and this child to other children and adults. Like normal things you might feel comfortable with. That, like, this kid should not feel comfortable. Just do the comparison, right? You have 10 coaches on a team, like, and one coach and one child have a closer seeming relationship. Like, I'm not saying that that definitely means something unnatural or uncool is happening. Pay attention to some other signs. Yes. Um, Okay. So we said the poor boundaries. Um, and again, kind of in this comparison to other individuals, is the abuser paying more attention or a different type of attention to an individual or a child specifically when compared to other kids? So if there's one kid in the room that the predator keeps popping on their lap and none of the other kids have sat on this person's lap, right? Right. Or... The, you know, he, the abuser hugs this child and this, you know, there's a bunch of other kids around. He's not hugging any of those kids. And again, Mm -hmm. could be nothing. Maybe it's, you know, the family's best friend. It really is normal, but it could also be something more, more terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's in addition to the touching, it's also the inappropriate discussions with the child. They're just too adult. They're not at the correct like developmental level for a kid and you know it's normal to like start talking to a kid and be like nope I'm I'm getting above the mark here um I'm unwilling to have this discussion (laughs) yeah or or even like I'm trying to get this point across but as an adult I'm not quite hitting the Mm. child developmental level for their brain right yeah And, and so like that's typical but like um, having these adult conversations, like we talked about in the stage where you desensitize mm-hmm. them yep. and sexualize them, um, and talk about sex and bodies and, and these, these things and, and making them feel like they have this mature relationship yeah. with an adult, like that should be alarming. It should be. It absolutely should be. Yes. So this, 
What we've talked about today is just the introduction to grooming and child sexual abuse. Next episode, we are going to cover what to do if you find a child who is being groomed or abused, uh, the prevention of child sexual abuse, uh, which is grooming. And then we're going to tell you, as I said before in the episode, some advice from predators. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about our media we love this week already because it is just too good. Like we we can't even talk to y'all about the subject without bringing up this video. So of course it's our media yes. um, that we love. And they have a YouTube channel. It's called Fight Child Abuse. And the video itself is entitled Sexual Abuse in the Family. It's about five-ish or so minutes long. We love this video. We use it when we go into the classroom to teach prevention about grooming behaviors and we use it to show adults as well like this pretty much hits across um young person and adult this is not going to work for a six-year-old this is right. like what maybe 10 ish and up depending yeah, on the we've, kid we've been using it starting in sixth grade okay yeah that seems totally like reasonable they understand mm -hmm. the video at this point right yeah, yeah and of course we're debriefing with them oh we're god trying you're to not take just good like care yeah. with them with no yeah we don't just show it and then mic drop it like we we really debrief with them yes absolutely and there's a bunch of other good videos if you wanted to go to this youtube channel as well on a variety of similar ish um subjects but they're, they're all great videos at Fight Child Abuse. And if you want to look up the particular one, Sexual Abuse in the Family. Yes. So thanks for listening this week. Keep on listening to hear about support resources and how to contact us. Look out for new podcasts every other Monday on anywhere that you can find your podcasts. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Anchor FM, you name it. We're there. If you have any questions and we would love to hear from you, you can email us at saferjourneyspod at safejourneysillinois.org. You can also message us on social media. We have a Facebook and an Instagram that you can find us at. And let's talk about some resources for anyone who's experiencing abuse. If you happen to live in and around LaSalle or Livingston County in Illinois, please feel free to call Safe Journeys support line at 815-673-1555. 24-7, confidential, services are free. If you don't happen to be in our, our area, there are two national hotlines that you can call for support. For sexual violence, you can call RAIN with two N's. That's the National Sexual Violence Hotline. Their phone number is 800-656-HOPE. They also have a live chat on their website if you're interested. And for domestic violence or intimate partner abuse, you can call the hotline, which is simply thehotline.org. And this is our national domestic violence hotline. And you can give them a call at 800-799-SAFE or chat live on the website. Thanks for listening.